The Bible tells us that we are going to be going on a long trip that will last for all eternity. And you're going to be assigned one of two places. It's either going to be heaven or hell. And there's no in-between. And because it's such an important journey, we should be putting more time and energy into our preparation, into planning for it, than we do for any earthly travel. Because choice, not chance, will determine your final destination. It's like the guy who was speaking about heaven and the eternal bliss and joys that were waiting there for each Christian, and he paused for effect. And then he said, how many of you here want to go to heaven? And everybody raised their hands, except for this eight-year-old boy in the front row. And he didn't raise his hand. So finally, the guy speaking said, son, like, don't you want to go to heaven? He said, yeah, someday. But I thought you were getting a busload together to go right now. You know, and maybe we're that way. We want to go to heaven, but we're not quite ready to go just yet. There are a lot of people who aren't excited about going to heaven for the same reason, if you're my age and older, you, for the same reason you're scared of your computer. Or it might be the DVD player. It was so great that Pat and I had kids, so we could use the DVD player. Actually, the VHS before that. But your children help you with all those things. And each year I served as the person doing the registering for the children for Vacation Bible School. It gives me a chance to meet all the families. And B.J. Noyan, our children's ministry director, decides we're going to do this electronic check-in. I still got to talk to people, but I was lost most of the time. One 15-year-old girl started helping me out. And before the kids were even inside the door, she had their tags all printed off, and I was still trying to fumble away with a an iPad to do it. But anyway, so we, there are some incorrect, excuse me, incorrect thoughts out there about heaven because people aren't certain of what it's going to be like. And there's another factor in that, and that is that Satan is a liar. And he's doomed for all eternity. And since he was kicked out of heaven and cast into hell, he realizes that there's no way that he wants you to hear about heaven because he doesn't want you going to heaven. He doesn't want you knowing what it's really like. That's why Revelation 13.6 tells us what Satan's favorite lies are about heaven. And this verse is speaking about the satanic beast. The beast cursed God, and it cursed the name of God. It even cursed the place where God lives as well as everyone who lives in heaven with God. Now, Randy Alcorn wrote a book called Heaven, and in that he points out, our enemy slanders three things, God's person, God's people, and God's place, heaven. So it makes sense for us to look for answers in the Bible because it was divinely inspired by the creator of the universe. And it, he went to incredible lengths to purchase your salvation, to purchase your admission ticket into heaven because that was at the cost of his one and only son. So don't you think that it would be better if we got more excited about heaven than frightened about hell? So today, I want you to learn about this place that God has prepared for you. And I believe that if you learn 
what it's like, you'll actually long to be there. The heaven is an actual place. We have this picture of heaven. It's almost like it's all clouds and, and a great fog machine. And we envision Peter standing there at the pearly gates and everyone is wearing white robes. It's like a Hare Krishna convention. Ask me what that is if you don't know. In our minds, this is the picture that we have of heaven. But that's not the biblical picture of heaven. Heaven isn't some figment of our imagination or a state of mind. It's a literal place. Now last week I talked about John chapter 4 verses 1 to 6. Let's look at verse 2 again. Because Jesus said, There are many rooms in my Father's house. I would not tell you this if it were not true. I am going there to prepare a place for you. So heaven will feel like home. I love Halifax. I've lived here almost 29 years now, and it's not just because of the length of time, but it's my home. But I have to confess, in the early years, whenever my family would go to PEI to visit family on vacation, we would either cross the ferry or get off the bridge, and I would say to my kids, ah, I'm home. Isn't this wonderful? And we'd be approaching Hazel Grove, the community I grew up in. My kids wouldn't be getting excited like I did. And I'd just start giving them the tour. Like, there's where my grandparents lived. My aunt and uncle lived in that house. And the man who wrote the song, Snowbird, most of you likely don't know this song, Anne Murray wrote it, but he lived in that house. It was owned by my great aunt and great uncle, so that's part of the tour. And then I would point out the rink where I scored four goals in one game. Another rink, but I had a goal and five assists one game in that rink. Then I pointed out where I went to grades one to five in school. Then I pointed out the pond where I learned to skate. And my kids, you know, Dad, that's a puny pond. And I had to admit that it had kind of shrunk down a little bit since I was a kid. And your school, Dad, is so small. I think it's like a one-room house now or something. And then your cousin's house, it has an outhouse in the backyard. So they had certain things like that to say. And I realized their confusion, and you probably do too. Like Their heart wasn't warmed by PEI like mine was they didn't grow up there. But now, when we've been away, and we're approaching Halifax, we're coming in the 102, and I see the sign, Kearney Lake Road, Dunbrack Street, I think, ah, I'm home. If you're a believer, I guarantee you that the sight of heaven will warm your heart, because this real place is described as the home for every Christian. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1, We know that our body, the tent we live in here on earth, will be destroyed. But when that happens, God will have a house for us. It will not be a house made by human hands. Instead, it will be a home in heaven that will last forever. So as strange as it seems, even though you've never been to heaven, when you get there, it is just going to feel so much like home. 
And that's because you were created in the image of God, which means God put an eternal spirit or soul inside of you. And that part of you longs to be in heaven. So for the Christian, our home is where Jesus Christ is. And then Jesus goes on to say, I go to prepare a place that you may be where I am. Now it's actually going to be a restoration project when we get to heaven. And I love that concept. My pregnant daughter, Shannon, who's married to James, our associate pastor, when she found out they were pregnant with child number two, she went to the extremes as far as nesting goes with pregnant mothers. It began with, well, we have to redo this bedroom, make it into a nursery. And then I have to read the list because I can't remember all the stuff we did. New hardwood stairs going from the main floor up to the bedroom level. I found a neighbor who could do that. Then we had to paint and replace the railing. The lower level stairs, she actually did this herself. She ripped up the carpet, painted the wood, put a carpet runner down there. She fixed up the walls. James and I just put the new railing on. That was all we did on that one. But then the bottom of those stairs, shelves were built, and it was all finished up nicely. Uh, The kitchen was completely renovated. Cupboards professionally painted, new countertops, sink, backsplash, flooring. And then I had to put baseboard and on the floor and casing around the doors. The storage closet, she went to all the work of uh, putting, uh, what do you call it, shelves in there. Their front entry, new flooring. The front closet had a, a closet organizer built in it and then was painted. And then other walls had to be done. Other baseboard had to be put on. And then Two days before I was going on vacation, she said, Dad, that guy who did our flooring in the kitchen can come and he could put tiles around the shower if we redid our ensuite bathroom. So James and I started ripping out the tub, the toilet, the sink, ripped up the floor, had to replace a lot of the cardboard, not the cardboard, but that's what I should have put in to get back at her, the plywood. But in two days, I had my part all finished, and the young guy was able to come in a few days later and and do the tiling. So their home looks wonderful right now. Acts 3.21 says, Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. So there will be a renewal. There will be a restoration. Many scholars believe that heaven is going to be much like the original Garden of Eden. And the only difference is that God has been working on this location for 2,000 years now, ever since Jesus has gone back there. He has been preparing a place for you. And remember that it was in the Garden of Eden when God said, It is good. And it wasn't bad until sin and Satan entered into the picture. See, when God created Eden and placed people in it, he wanted it to be a paradise on earth. He wanted it to be a place where humans would be fulfilled and where even he could live. So it was a perfect place that brought God and humans together. But sin changed all that, and Eden became just a shadow of what it once was. But Revelation 21 says that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. 
And the word new that's used here doesn't mean new as if it never existed before, but it's new in that it is new in quality. So my daughter and son-in-law might invite you to their house and say, look at our new bathroom. And it's not new because they didn't have one before. It's new because it has been completely restored and it's better than ever. The second Peter 3 talks about the earth being purged by fire and God will build a new heaven and perhaps a new earth. And, and, and then we also realize that it will have an actual city. Like numerous times in the New Testament, heaven is described as a city that will be known as the new Jerusalem. So here we read in Revelation 21, 12, excuse me, 21 verses 1 to 2. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had disappeared, and there was no sea anymore. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It was prepared like a bride dressed for her husband. And then we slip further ahead to verse 23. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it because the glory of God is its light and the lamb is the city's lamp. So the city is described in Revelation 21 as a 1,500-mile cube. So that means it goes up as well. And John gives the dimensions according to human measurements. So this seems to imply that it's not just a figurative number, but that it could be taken literally. So these dimensions would cover 200 square, excuse me, 2 million square miles. To try and put into perspective how big heaven would be, we'd start from the west coast of Canada, British Columbia, Vancouver Island, and it would take in all of British Columbia, all of Alberta, all of Saskatchewan, all of Manitoba, and it would come as far as Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. And it would be 780,000 stories high. Now, whenever I go visiting someone or I go to the Victoria General Hospital, I like to take the stairs. I don't want to take the elevator. It gets some exercise. But I hope there's an elevator in heaven because I'm not going to get to the top on that one. And that's just the city. And just the fact that the dimensions are mentioned in such specific fashion underscores that heaven is an actual place with an actual city. Now, there's some of you that don't like the city that much and you prefer rural settings. Well, you're going to have that as well because Revelation says that this is a city that you're going to go in and out of. And that means that there's going to be territory to explore. There is a gate at the north, south, east, and west end of the city, but you will be able to pass in and out. So heaven isn't some mystical place dominated by clouds, but it is an actual place with streets lined with gold. But notice that the Bible speaks about the fact that it is a place where transformation takes place. So 1 John 3, verse 2. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and we have not yet been shown what we will be in the future. But we know that when Christ comes again, we will be like him because we will see him as he really is. So we are going to be transformed physically. 
It's tough to know exactly what that means, but the older I get, I realize the more work God has to change me, to make me perfect. But we all agree that this phenomena is one of the reasons we're excited about heaven because there is going to be an instant transformation. And that's appealing. A farmer and his son went to the big city for the first time and they were amazed by everything that they saw. And they parked in front of a huge building and the father and son went inside to buy a newspaper and the mother stayed in the car. And while they were in the lobby, they noticed this silver wall and it would divide and then people would go in and out of it. So they were just perplexed by this. So they watched for a while and they saw this older woman with a cane just kind of struggle to get up to this, these, this silver wall and she pressed a button and the silver wall opened. She went into a room and then that, the wall closed again. And then they could see all of these lights flashing. And then... 30 seconds later, out comes this beautiful 24-year-old woman and she smiles at the man and she kind of saunters by them and he goes, boy, go and get your mother. (laughs) Heaven will be an instant transformation. The Bible says, that wouldn't be me saying that, like I've got all I need right now. The Bible says, in the twinkling of an eye, So that's much faster than going into an elevator and back out again. And it says that we will be changed. And when we get to heaven, our physical transformation will possibly be similar to what Christ's body went through after his physical death and resurrection. There was a slight change in his appearance. A couple of times people had to do sort of a a double take. They thought it was him and then they weren't sure. And when there's a subtle physical change in a person, like from a distance, we are uncertain of someone's identity, and maybe we do the same thing. We do a bit of a double take. That that looks like Joe. And you look again, oh yeah, it is. He got his hair cut or he shaved his beard or something like that. So in heaven, in spite of some form of physical transformation, your identity will still be evident. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. Paul wrote, But Christ has truly been raised from the dead, the first one, and proof that those who sleep in death will also be raised. Death has come because of what man, one man did, but the rising from death also comes because of one man. In Adam, all of us die in the same way In Christ, all of us will be made alive again. So our bodies will go through some type of glorified improvement. Our bodies will right now go through all kinds of sicknesses and diseases while here on earth. And sometimes God chooses to heal people. And sometimes, as I said before, he decides to wait until that day when we will be made perfect but you must realize that there's something more than your physical condition in this life, and that's your soul. And those who swallow their pride in this life and trust in Christ can look forward to another change, and that is a spiritual transformation. We'll have spiritual bodies with physical substance. So moving along to verse 42, 
It is the same with the dead who are raised to life. The body that is planted will ruin and decay, but it is raised to a life that cannot be destroyed. When the body is planted, it is without honor, but it is raised in glory. When the body is planted, it is weak, but when it is raised, it is powerful. The body that is planted is a physical body, and when it is raised, it is a spiritual body. There is a physical body, and there is also a spiritual body. So in heaven, there will have been a spiritual transformation. There will be no more inclination to sin or to rebel against God. There will be no temptation. So can you just imagine being in that type of environment? Yet I run into people that I, I share the message of salvation with Christ with, and they say, ah, I don't mind if I'm going to end up in hell. Like, if it's forever, I'm just going to party with my friends forever. But if you reject Jesus and end up in hell, uh, you're not going to want to throw any parties. So save your money on the invitations. Because part of what makes hell so horrible is the fact that it is a place of separation from God. Like Nobody will want to be there. Those who are in hell will be all alone. There will be no community. There will be no camaraderie. And it all pales in comparison to the fact that they'll experience being separated from God. See, sin robs us of fulfillment, and it makes us empty. But look at what God promises in Psalm 16, verse 11. You will teach me how to live a holy life. Being with you will fill me with joy. At your right hand, I will find pleasure forever. If you're a Christian, like don't trade that for anything else in the world. Don't go for any type of cheap imitation because you've got the real thing. There's no comparison. It's like looking at a picture of strawberry cheesecake. 